Welcome to Through the Line, the Agency Squared podcast with me, Andy Barjuri. In this episode, I'm chatting with the extraordinarily knowledgeable Tina Fegent, who is a true marketing procurement expert. And Tina's joined me to explore the process of procuring marketing or creative services from a client or brand side perspective. And it's really interesting as she explores the process and best practice in that process, but also some of the pitfalls, the potholes that you might come across as a marketing leader. But don't fear if you're in the agency side, because there's real value for you in listening to this conversation as well. You'll learn some of the things that client side marketeers are looking for and some of the ways that you can tackle or or approach a marketing procurement exercise. So hopefully something for all in this show. Tina, good morning. How are you doing today? I'm very well, Andy. Thank you. And yourself? I am doing really well, actually, really well on this gloomy morning uh, in the UK. It's very (laughs) gloomy, isn't it? It is. It is indeed. But it's nice to have you on the show. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, I was just saying before we hit record, how am I going to introduce you? Because you've done so much. So I'm going to try and introduce you and you can obviously fill in any blanks or tell me where I've gone wrong. Um, Because you've been in marketing procurement now for over 25 years. And you have, you're currently the chair of the Chartered Institute of Purchasing and Supply, the marketing side of that, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, you work brand side, working for some fantastic brands, Telefonica, GSK, Orange and LucasAid. Then I think you flipped over to the agency side, jumped into, it's either low and then grey or grey and then low, I yeah. forget which way around it is. Grey then low, yeah. There we go. And then <laughs> you became a consultant in around about 2006. And you spent the last, what is that, 15, 16 or so years helping both brands and agencies to get marketing procurement right. Yeah, that's a pretty good summary. Thank you for that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I was thinking it's a half an hour show. I could spend half an hour yeah. introducing you. I know. Sure. I have to edit that down. Yeah, and do quite a lot of pro bono stuff. So, yeah, the SIPs, the Charter Institute Purchase Supply. I'm the chair of the, the group. They're happening since the start. Also the co-chair of the Conscious Advertising Network, um, Get Shit Done Advisory Group, which is that seven manifesto <laughs> about doing good. and Also support Creative Equals, mentoring as well. And after that, actually, this, this our chat today, I've actually got my call, my ment- mentees. So, yeah, no, do a lot of pro bono stuff, actually, as well. Excellent. I really enjoy I knew we could spend a lot longer introducing yeah. <laughs> this. <laughs> well, we kept it short, which was good. Yes, that is good. And, and the reason why I'm really pleased to get you on to the show is I think this topic of marketing procurement has covered a lot from an agency supply side. So how do I get more clients for my agency? But one of the things, I mean, I do a lot of uh, teaching of CIM qualifications and marketing apprenticeships. And one of the things I often hear from brand side marketeers is, I don't know how to find the agency to help me fix this problem, or my SEO agency is not doing very well. How, how, how do I get a new one? Who do I look for? Or I look at agencies and they all look the same. I don't know really how to get the right one. So, so I would love to tackle this from the other perspective and just chat to you about how do you as a brand side marketer hire the right agency to solve your marketing challenge? What does that process look like and what are the kind of pitfalls and mistakes that marketing marketeers often make in procuring agency services? So I don't know if we can fit all that into a half an hour show. <laughs> we try. That's we my try. challenge for you. Yeah, we try. We try our so, best. 
So let's go with that process then. So what does a good procurement process look like? What are the steps to get you from, I've got a problem to solve, to I found someone that can solve it? Yeah, well, I think the clue probably is in, the, in, in your question there is involved procurement. Obviously, I would say that. Yeah. Um, but I think the first step is when the, the marketing um, a person identifies that they have a requirement, it's to obviously, you know, speak to your procurement person because you know you need to know about your contracts and your existing relationships and I think sometimes you know those things are forgotten about and you know I hate doing contracts but they are there to protect both sides yeah you know be it intellectual property be it notice period be it key individuals etc so I think the first instance um uh, for a marketing person is they've identified the requirement and that could be based on you know um changes in requirements as you said, you know, I'm not very happy with my incumbent for X number of reasons. Um, could be governance. You know, obviously we know that some public sector companies have to review their agency relationship or commercial relationships every three, five years. Yeah. So it's understanding the requirement. And then I would say in that first step is an engagement with your procurement team um, who will then say, right, okay, this is where we are. I think the second stage is can you make it work with the incumbent? You know, it's okay. sometimes agencies think that clients love pitching all the time. And as you rightly said, Andy, there's been a lot about the impact on agencies, things like pitch positive and about the mental health well-being of agencies and don't pitch over Christmas, which is all great stuff. Um, but can you, can you make the existing relationship work? And I think, yeah. You know, do you find do. from your perspective, Tina, that, it's easier or better to fix the relationship with the incumbent than it is to go to market for a new a new supplier or or is it the other way around? Do you think when you get to a point where you think, you know, it's just not working, it's time to change, you do you then have to go and change? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a good question. It, it's knowing the rationale between them making that decision, it's gone too far, I need to go outside and look for someone else. Um, so I think it depends on the knowledge, the experience of the marketing person, the marketing team, I think. You know, yeah. is it a whim? Is it down to fighting heads with an individual? Is it down to budget changes or, you know, requirement changes? So I think that's a hard question to answer because I think it depends on the marketing person. Yes, yeah, so there's probably lots of different shades of grey there, isn't there, as well? Yeah, yeah. And, the state, and obviously the agency they're dealing with and the sector they're dealing with. Um, so I think, is it easier? It is probably easier to make an existing relationship work. Yeah. But it depends how far you've gone down that line. So, yes. you know, when I work client side, you know, they're a great agency who helped create the brand into years ago. But, you know, they just couldn't crack it. They just could not crack the creative work. Despite the fact they've been in, you know, been with this brand since the start, they just couldn't crack it. So, you know, it's making sure it's not done on a whim and a prayer and that actually when the marketing makes that decision, supported by procurement. And I think procurement brings that impartiality that they would say, right, you said you want to go out to pitch. You only appointed that agency two years ago. You know, if we haven't been involved, what are the issues? So I do think, and I say apologies to those listening for the plug for marketing procurement, but we do bring that, you know, we're one step removed, aren't we? So we can then say, actually, have you done this? Have you looked, mm. have you spoken to them about this? Because actually, 
you know, in the words of BT many years ago, it's good to talk. And I think, you know, Bob Hoskins, isn't it? Hoskins, yeah, that, that give our age away, Andy. Those that are listening are like, who the hell is Bob Hoskins? Um, and who's it's good to talk BT campaign? Look it up. It was really good. It's a classic campaign it's a classic. as well. Yeah. And someone yeah. else asked me the other day what my favourite ad was. And do you remember the Unigate ad for Humphrey? Watch out, watch out. There's a Humphrey about. Oh, I'm really Asian I don't remember that one actually. <laughs> yeah. that, that was really good as well. People listening, um, so you know what, actually, that, that um, the pitch for the Bob Hoskins, and I'm going to forget the name of the guy, um, an absolute advertising legend. You you can find his actual a recording of his pitch to BT of the Bob Hoskins campaign online. Really, and it's really worth watching. Oh, I'm yeah. definitely going. I really, I I'm definitely was, wasn't Dave Trot. Wasn't one of the sort of people. That's no, it wasn't. I, I'll remember the second yeah. we stopped recording. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely <laughs> worth listening. But I think, yeah. So I think to answer that tricky question about is it right to do the pitch or not, involve procurement. They're more impartial and make sure you know. I would always try and make the incumbent make it work first. Um, because going out to pitch is a lot of resource from the agency side, a lot of resource from the client side. And that's what a lot of the issues are from the client's diary and, and yeah. making those decisions. So, yeah, try, that's the first step is what's the requirement and can you make it work? Yeah, um, I really good. like that because I, I think it, from, from an agency point of view, sometimes it feels like you're not involved in that decision, that process. And perhaps there is there are signs that the relationship isn't working and, and it needs to be addressed at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and having worked with a procurement team recently on, on a hiring an agency and the procurement professional was outside of the world of marketing, but the, the discipline around the process and the thinking that person introduced to the way we were handling that project was absolutely invaluable, really excellent, actually. That's great and to hear. Was, and they weren't a marketing person, which was no, great. not at all. I think they might have they may have hired a communications agency before, but they were local authority procurement, so their expertise is, is hiring you know, contractors and, and all sorts of different services. So yeah, you know, they brought a different perspective to the conversation. Yeah, that's good. As long as they are experienced, yes. You know, there's a story of years ago. The buyer, she was buying baked beans for a well-known baked bean company. Um, you know, and that's a pretty tough job isn't it if you think you're buying well I presume you're buying the beans aren't you before they're baked Um, and she got promoted and this is years ago um, to I say promoted because she got promoted to marketing and did a digital pitch and she went out to the big you know big digital agencies that we know Um, but she applied her bean buying process to digital buying digital and of course there was uproar in the marketplace because you know she just wasn't educated into you know this sector yeah. you know someone put there's a, a post on linkedin the other day about the degrees of difficulty um from a procurement point of view and actually marketing was up there as a number one and obviously yeah because if you're buying you know a pen you know there's a spec for that pen or if you're buying black currants for a drink there is that but when you're buying people which is what we're doing in marketing it is it's very hard and it's very specialised and you have to know the sector. So uh, it's great to hear your good experience of a local authority. Well, I think I think that, that worked well because he brought the real procurement discipline and expertise and I brought the understanding of the agency landscape and marketing and together we probably formed that nice little partnership that you've yeah. described. Yeah, you know, nice we, we weren't the baked bean buyer. Yeah. Um, in that bean context. buyer, bean buyer. Oh, sorry, the bean buyer. They, they must bake it after they bought it. <laughs> you'd think so. But that that the, the penny just dropped is David Abbott, Abbott Mean Vickers. Really brilliant. Bob Hoskins. Yeah. Oh, I must listen to that. I must I'll send you a link 
link after. Yeah, great. Thank you. So I think, yeah, so you want to do the pitch, identify the requirements. That's sort of step one. Step two yeah. would then be to do the chemistry stage. The, this is, and again, it's probably quite unique. Because procurement people, if you're buying, again, the, the beans, would you have a chemistry meeting? You probably have a meeting with the suppliers, but yeah. we'd like to have our own language in marketing procurement. So we have a chemistry session. We do. And I've heard that called a tissue meeting before as no, well. No, that's different, actually. Oh, so, is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So a tissue meeting is once you've appointed, you've got, say, three agencies that are going to pitch. Yeah. They then hopefully you give them enough time, like three weeks. You then want them to come with their ideas. Um, so I'm working on a, a current brief for a client, a B2B client, and he they've had tissue meetings. So it's you three agencies going to pitch. The pitch is in three weeks' time. About halfway during that process, let's have a tissue meeting where you present your ideas. And actually where that comes from, Andy, is years and years ago when creators used to draw, it'd be on tissue paper oh, or tracing paper yeah yeah, yeah. not <laughs> these days with these newfangled like computers um so yeah so that's different so, tissue ah, paper okay. really pitch process. so a chemistry meeting is you'd see a long list basically so, so what, what 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 ideally goes into that chemistry meeting and, and from a from an agency point of view i always say look if you're in a race with more than five horses don't bother racing because the odds of winning are too low yeah but from a client perspective obviously you want a longer list so that you can really make sure you've checked the market out so from a procurement point of view what's that kind of right number of agencies on the long list yeah so on the chemistry stage you could also issue an, a procurement document called an rfi request for information yeah. or you could ask for i actually don't like doing that i actually ask for credentials so That's i would it. go out to i'm working on a, a pitch at the moment a creative agency pitch and i've gone out to i did a long list of say 20 agencies because okay clients you know as i said identify the requirements but you know ideally once you start looking at agencies they say well actually that's more digital or actually i did want more seo so yeah. i actually like to do a long long list because i think by going through you know looking at agencies websites initially you know i met a client recently had the 20 we looked at their websites and actually for the agencies that are listening don't you know i think a lot of agency websites really could do with sorting out because it's like you know i got approached by an agency to do some training last week and i was like i'm looking at your website i actually don't know what you do yes you know and you know it is the internet is the source of information these days so i think it's the first port of call isn't it yeah, you know if you don't have agencies that you know of already and you're looking for something fresh yeah you, you will look at a website and yeah. quite often yeah. they're quite bland and vanilla and don't really represent what an agency can do totally agree and they're not very good with seo or ppc so especially with a digital agency you would hope that you're because people i mean when i set out and buy in I'd get Kelly's directory, some big doc directory, and you'd, you know, you'd go on and, and you would look. I'm really making myself seem old here. I'm not as old as I, I'm sounding. <laughs> I promise you, but you know, I, you know, you'd get a directory and you'd look it up. Whereas these days, it's the internet. It's a global marketplace, and that is one yeah. thing for the agencies. There's a plethora of choice. I mean, there's millions and millions of agencies, so you need to have that point of difference. But the chemistry, chemistry meeting, chemistry. So you do, I would say, do a really long list. From yeah. that, you'd probably get down to six to eight agencies, and okay. I would ask for a call for credentials. So your document, your sales document. Other procurement people might ask for a request for information. Again, a short document. Tell us who you are, who your key clients are, who the key individuals are. I then send those through to uh, my cl the client. The client then discusses it internally. Um, so say if I sent eight through, they might come back and say, right, we'd like to say meet five. And then the chemistry meeting should really only be an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. shouldn't involve much preparation for the agency. Um, and that chemistry should be to 
introduce the client to introduce themselves, to share their challenges, you know, why are they doing the pitch? And I do think is sometimes clients dictate what the outcome to be. I want a new TV ad. No, what's your objective? What do you mm-hmm. want the outcome to be? You know, our share price is going down, our brand image is going down. You know, we're going to new markets, we've got a new product variant. So um, it's the client to present, you know, what what the outcome is, what they're looking for, and the Q and I, and the agency to present themselves. Is there conflicts? What's their experience? So the chemistry. There's very much a two way street at that stage. Yeah. It's yeah. agency trying to say why, why we think we're right, but also to understand can they actually solve this client's challenge? Yeah, and what I would have done in the meantime, Andy, was I would have been, and I've you know been a procurement focused person. I would have said, you know, this is a client from the agency. These are the time scales, and this is the budget. Yeah. Because actually I'm working with a client, you know, a great household brand at the moment, but budget's very small. So I'd rather be open. And obviously that predetermines what agencies I'm looking for. I'm not going to go for a top tier one, David Albert and A&V for a client that's got a budget of X. You know, can, we, can, we just, can we just stick on that little point in their budget for a little moment? Because it's one of those topics that I see debated quite a lot. And I have a strong feeling on this that from a, because I generally look at these from an agency point of view, you know, if you're talking to a client and they won't give you a budget, then there's no point talking to them because you don't know what's in their mindset here. They could be thinking they've got a million quid or it could be a hundred thousand, it could be 10,000. And if they can't give you guidance, you don't know if you're right. But I understand it from the client's perspective as well in that I don't want to give away my budget because I want them to tell me what this should cost without being either confined or getting them overexcited and them over-egging the pudding with a ridiculous proposal. Mm. So from, from your point of view, from a procurement professional point of view, share the budget or don't share the budget? From a Tina Fugent point of view, I say share the budget. Yes. <laughs> from a procurement point of view, they would say don't share it because exactly as you say, if you share a budget of £500,000, Surprise, surprise. And agencies are their own worst enemy. They come in and they've spent £499,999. <laughs> so they don't have It's amazing, themselves. isn't it? It is amazing. In clients, I find that are reluctant to do that, I say do a range. Yes. So say if your budget says 250000 you could say one fifty to maybe three hundred, Because yeah. actually, an agency might present a stonking idea, a stonking solution that you might find that extra 50 grand for. Um, yes. So, yeah, from a Tina Fugit point of view, I always, always share the budget. The majority of cl- procurement clients don't like sharing it because agencies will meet that. So I say, yeah. yeah, and spend it. But I always say do a range or do options. So maybe you say, you know, 100 to 200 grand or 200 to 300 or 300 plus agency to give options. But, yeah, I believe in sharing the budget. Excellent. We're on the same train of thought. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you have the chemistry. So step step two is is the chemistry. Uh, you know, little brief. Have the meeting with a little scoring sheet, quite low key. Um, you know, and it's scoring them on on the people, the experience. Could we work with them? You know, the client I'm working with at the moment, one of the clients, they've got an internal studio. So, and they're quite strong and their brand image is very strong. So for me, it's quite key that the internal head of internal brand studio gets on with the agency and the agency can work with them because that can be tricky. So I think um, once a client shared, you know, update them on the brand and their challenges, have the Q&A. So I think, yep, so that'd be stage two was was the chemistry. Um, From that, you would then go down to three to four agencies maximum for the pitch the issue here i think where some clients fall down is what you do with the incumbent 
Yeah. And I strongly feel that if you really think at the start of the process, so when you're doing that step one about requirements, if they haven't got a chance, if the relationship is too far, just don't waste your time or their time because there's a lot of resource. Do you think a lot of incumbent agencies go for it anyway because they feel like, well, I've got a good chance here, but in reality, if they had a good chance, they wouldn't be in this process. Yeah, totally agree, Andy. And it does, you know, even, you know, looking at campaign, you know, the last few weeks, there's obviously some big names going out and just think, would you defend it? I mean, you know, there are different reasons, aren't there? Different reasons why agencies want brands, be it yeah. revenue, probably not usually the revenue, but the client name experience. So, yeah, I think agencies have different reasons, but I I would tend to recommend not to have an incumbent. And it mm-hmm. does annoy me when I see a pitch and the incumbent has been reappointed because, as you said, Andy, you could have spent some time and a bit of money making that relationship better in the first place. Yeah. Or do a close pitch. Just say to the incumbent, I'm quite a fan of that is, we're not going to invite anybody else in, but come on, you know, we've got some challenges. We're not happy with person X. We've got these objectives. We've got this budget. Let's do a close pitch just with them. And I quite like that. I, I like that as well. And I think there's real value in, in long-term partnerships. And, yeah. you know, we had a client of ours as a big tech software company. And I think that they invested very heavily in building the relationship with our agency as we did with them. And as inevitably happened, you know, mistakes happen in, in agency life. And, you know, they worked with us to overcome those and we improved and got better over time. And, and I felt that worked brilliantly for both client and agency side. And I think yeah. that too often in marketing, we have a short term view. We don't think longer term. And, you know, relationships between clients and agencies take a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. And I've got to say, in the chemistry stage, you were done the non-disclosure agreement, which hopefully is mutual from that point. Yes, of view, yeah. Um, then you go on to the pitch, and the, so stage three, the pitch. Some clients I'm starting to see are starting to look at paying pitch fees. Um, not That's a huge right, amount. Okay, yeah, it, yeah. yeah, it's always been a, a, a you know a sensitive area. Um, I think sometimes it's nominal. You know, it's nominal. One of the clients I work at the moment of talking about five thousand pounds, which you know. Whilst doesn't touch the side, it shows a bit of respect that actually they it's, appreciate it's token, it. It's token, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've seen another client pay up to £20,000. I've seen another client where they get down, say, from four agencies to two, and they ask the agencies to go again. They've paid them some money. So yeah. it's really good to see that, you know, it's not happening as a standard, but actually in the last six months, year, I've seen more agencies, more clients. And I, I will always say if you've got a bit of money, it's a token gesture, I would just do it, you know, for £5,000, for example, from that point of view. Yeah, even if it just covers some of the agency's expenses, yeah, it'll be, exactly. it's a very good sign of goodwill, that is. Exactly, yeah. So you'd have you have the pitch, um, and that should be three to four agencies. Yeah. Um, and obviously the client is given the brief, and obviously from a client point of view, is that's their important document. I saw a good article that Xavier Reed, who heads up uh, Have Us Creative, did uh, end of last year, said that, you know, when you write a brief to a client, make sure you tell us what your problem is. What is your business problem? Do not give us solutions. And that has resonated with me sort of ever since. And I tell that to all my clients that I work with is don't dictate, I want a new TV ad, I want a new digital campaign. You know, I yeah. want a 30 second. You say what your problem is. You know, why are you doing the pitch? Why are you looking for, you know, a new support? And let the agency determine how they answer that. I think certainly if you want to assess them for their strategic abilities as well as their execution, that's a great way of keeping it open, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But to, many clients, you know, to answer the second question, one of the potholes is they they dictate the outcome. 
um, yeah. as what the deliverables are. And you shouldn't do that. It's what is your problem? Let the agency decide how they resource it up and how they sort of solve that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So the first stage would be the pitch and you'd have a scoring sheet. Um, no, you'd have the theatre. You know, I mean, years ago when I worked agency side, um, the CEO on the agency I worked with was pitching for, for a bank and they wanted to build a fake bank on the rooftop um, of our agency office. Wow. Yeah. We also went to pitch for a low-cost airline, and I happened to know the CMO. I'd worked for him somewhere else. And I was in the meeting as commercial director, as you do, and I sort of said, oh, it's pound fifty for the teas and coffees that I was dishing out. He's like, you charge that on you. We didn't get through. Um, I, like, I like to think that, that wasn't down to me, but I was trying to manage the fact we were in a really posh office that was like £60 yeah. a foot or something. Um, so, yeah, pitch theatre, you know, and I always joke with agencies, is, you know, watch the chocolate biscuits um, that you put out. And an agency was telling me the other day, well, we have – client biscuits and we have procurement biscuits and we have agency biscuits so uh what watch the level of the biscuits you know wait so hang on so does the client get chocolate biscuits yeah. and procurement gets something a bit more yeah, affordable the or the jammy <laughs> what is it? rich tea probably the rich tea. <laughs> a digestive want, yeah so anyone listening if you want to send me some biscuits you know i'm more than happy with some fortnum and mason biscuits um so you're going to be inundated that. with fortnum and mason biscuits yeah well i'm not complaining about that that'd be great but um <laughs> yeah so you know the pitch theater and it's nice to get out because i think coming out of covid obviously everything was done online i think now yes. i've got most clients actually both chemistry and pitch are face to face well that's um, good because we did i helped quite a few pitch pitches be um delivered a few pitches over covid and i think everyone got used to the idea of pitching on teams but it certainly did take away some of the i don't know the personality of the agencies it it, it it felt a bit more, not sterile, but just you didn't get a real sense for who they were. Yeah. So, and I think after COVID, we saw perhaps chemistry being online, but the clues in the name, it's chemistry. Yeah. Which said, you can't do that. And then pitches face to face. But now both pitches I'm working on at the moment, they've done chemistry and pitches face to face, which is great. I and think actually, that is great. Yeah. yeah. And actually the B2B one, he's done chemistry at the agency's offices because he's um they're looking for more like uh, agencies uh, in manchester and sort of stuff like that yeah and i thought well good on you you actually gone out um they actually did the briefing at one of the, i love i love briefings being done on site so there was a story of a well-known pizza uh, brand pitch a few years ago and they did their briefing in a test kitchen which i <laughs> thought was brilliant um but the well, that's good client, yeah it's really good but the b2b client i'm working with at the moment they have they build units on the side of a motorway so they did it at one of their sites you know hard hats and everything but the agencies loved it you know you get a feel for it so that's yeah. good yeah. yeah i mean i, I did a um i hired a, a web development agency for a company probably two three is it pre-covid it doesn't matter anyway yeah. part of the briefing process was they they took us all to lunch at their favorite pub which is called the lord nelson in southwark i think in london yeah there's this really funky place of these amazing burgers it's really kind of um punkish and irreverent and 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 the brief was i want you to recreate this place on our website i want this feel of uh, adventure and excitement and challenge and yeah. you know and it, and it was great and yeah. and the the execution was exactly that. It was the yeah. best brief, I think, because they were yeah. they really absorbed the culture of the place they were trying. Yeah, to. that's fantastic. That is really good. So yeah, so you you do the brief fit, you do the brief fit, and you run the pitch, 
with a chocolate biscuits or not. So, um, <laughs> and, from, and also share the scoring, hopefully, so the agencies do know what they're getting scored on, you know, being yes. strategy, creative. Um, and obviously, from a procurement point of view, we'd have the commercial element as well. So, um, you know, I always run it in parallel. So there's the client brief. What are our business issues? What do we need to solve? I would run them from a procurement point of view on the commercial brief as a separate document. So the B2B client at the moment, we've actually had commercial tissue meetings where three agencies have presented, you know, asking the rate card, you know, yeah. um, things like advertising network, equal opportunities, DNI what the fee is, added value, and their view on this draft contract. So I, actually, I've had tissue meet. The client's had his his tissue meetings on the strategy and creative, and I've had my, and he's actually been in my meetings as well, um, yeah. where we've reviewed the commercials. So the pitches are next week. So by tomorrow, I'm going to have all the commercial documents in. But, I, you know, I know what all three are thinking straight away. So at that stage in those tissue meetings, do you ever get to the point where it's like, you know what, this isn't working? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the client actually. Yeah, yeah, one of the pitches this week, the client actually has gone back. He had the tissues last week for the pitches next week, and he sent two emails on Monday actually saying, you know, here's some positives, but actually, you just need to look at X, Y, and Z. Yeah, um, which is good. I mean, I, you know, I did a lot of pitches during COVID with a soft drinks company, and we gave them the option, the agency's options, and some of them didn't take it up. You know, you have the option of one or two camp tissue meetings. You should always take them up. Just get get you in front of the client. Absolutely. You've got to start building rapport and relationship, haven't you, before yeah. the pitch. If nothing yeah. else, you need to look at the whites of the eyes of the person you're going to be pitching to and start to get a sense for what their style yeah, is. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. so so step three is a pitch. And then step four is post-pitch. And I think sometimes that's often forgot about. So it's a bit we love anyway, because obviously we've got the negotiation. So, you know, we would always try and have a short list of two, you know, which obviously if there's three agencies is hard, but if there's four agencies, maybe two um, have fallen away after the pitch. And then you try and hopefully negotiate with two, you know, and we procurement is governed by our clients. So obviously you'd know which the client probably has got a favoured one. Sometimes yeah. it's close. Um so post-pitch would then be obviously to negotiate um, commercial and obviously the contract. Uh, and I think the step a lot of people forget about is then follow-up. So we've done the pitch and we've had those four stages. But actually the fourth step is whilst you've done the post-pitch and, and feedback. Feedback is really important as well. And I think some agencies don't take it up. A client should always offer feedback because the client... Completely. Agency, you know, some, some clients don't. Some agencies don't take it up. Um, but to do those reviews, because actually it's the first year of working. You've agreed a fee, you've agreed the scope, you've agreed people. You should have those quarterly quarterly commercial reviews. Um, you should have those client reviews as well. So I'm a big fan that post-pitch is not just the day after or whatever. It's for the next year and actually you're assessing how is it working nice. on both sides, um, both Got in you. terms of scope and people and commercials as well. So four stages, identify the requirements, um, and work on the scope of work. Stage two, chemistry. Stage three, pitch. Stage four is post-pitch. And actually, the longest bit is probably post-pitch because you know, mm. that, that should be six months, a year after the pitch to make it work. How long would you say, on average, that process takes from we've got an issue to we've appointed an agency? Three months. Three months, so okay. They allow three months, yeah. And obviously, okay. you know, and be aware of holidays. So <clears throat> obviously last week, one of my clients, you know, we were trying to get the chemistry meetings in, but it was half term. You know, so <laughs> half term this week, going to London yesterday, with loads of kids around yesterday as well. But be respectful, and obviously Christmas and summer holidays, yeah. etc. So, yeah, so on, on a good run, you know, allow for three months, subject to sort of standard holidays, as it were. Yeah. 
life does get in the way sometimes, yeah, doesn't it? It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a pretty clear process. And, and I like that. It's really clear steps for how to get from A to B. So let's move on then to talking about kind of common challenges, pitfalls or potholes. What are the things that you most often see marketeers getting wrong in this process? Yeah, I think we've covered a few of them. But from my list, I think the view on incumbent, I think yeah. the marketeer needs to have a strong point of view. Um, I, you know, I did one pitch a few years ago where they were really diddy-dallying around about should they be in, should they not be in. So I think, you know, if you know you're going to pitch, have a strong view on the incumbent. Don't waste their time and don't waste your time. Yeah. I've been on the receiving end of that, actually, as uh, we used to do some work for Vodafone in a PR capacity. And they put the, the our account up for pitch and didn't even tell us. So when I, find, I found out about it, because I was advising another PR agency who had been invited to pitch for it, I went, what? That's actually my business. <laughs> and then I did get to speak to the PR director. He said, look, I'm sorry, you guys are just too small. We're looking to consolidate a bit here. And uh, and that was a bit frustrating. But I respected the fact that they'd made a decision on it. So it was fine. Yeah, but it's all about communication, though, isn't it? That's my motto in life anyway, is just yeah. communicate. And I think sometimes both client and agencies aren't always the best at communicating for whatever reason. I agree, yeah. Um, on that. So uh, the second one is as I sort of mentioned earlier, is dictating what the outcomes are. Yeah. Um, you don't want to dictate what, what the outcomes are. You really do want to um, share your business challenges uh, and get the agency to decide how they solve that. Yeah, and, and I think sometimes your choice of agency, obviously you've already dictated what the answer is. And if you're looking for SEO, you know the problem is you're not getting enough traffic to your website. So yeah. the answer is going to be that, limited range of tactics within the SEO remit. But if you're broader, I suppose, you can leave it open to interpretation. Yeah, and also in these days of an integrated agency, which a lot of agencies are integrated and have offerings, let them come back to you with the offering. So if it's two people from the SEO agency, one from the brand agency, let them, don't dictate. So I think yeah. share your business challenges and let the agency come back, you know, free thinking as a structure and how they want to deal with it. Uh, the next one was we covered that as well was budget. So yeah. I think that really does determine, and you know, I need that. You know, as someone who works on agency pitches, is exactly like you said earlier: is it hundred grand, five hundred grand, a million? Because that will dictate the type of agency. Completely. Um, yeah. You know, I had a client recently, and the budget was X, but they wanted top tier agencies. I said, well, and it's a European brief. You know, you might want to use the hot agencies in town, but for that, you've got to be realistic. You, you want to be yeah. a big fish in a small pond. That's it, yeah. As opposed to a small fish in a big pond who another client comes along. They, you might be attractive for the right reasons. They want your brand, but actually how long is that going to last for? Mm. So I do have a strong view that clients should share the budget um, and be open about it. And say, if you're stuck, then do, do, a, do a range. Yeah. The yeah. fourth point is feedback. I think clients can be quiet say lazy but they, they could just be a bit more on it in terms of written notes you know writing down stuff um it's one thing i always hate and it's like in a pitch i've got my notebook of notes and then an agency person sits next to me you're like oh you're gonna look at my notes um from a <laughs> point of view too expensive or something but yeah. you know i do think clients should be better at comprehensive note taking however form um, to feedback both the successful and unsuccessful. Um, yeah, I, I agree. It's totally uh, unreasonable 
not to offer feedback to those that have pitched and been unsuccessful. That that's kind of their payment for going through yeah. that process. I think is to learn something. They're not yeah. going to get any fees, but you might be able to help them to do better at their next pitch. Exactly. And I would say to any agencies listening, always, always take up the offer of feedback. Yeah. I did a pitch yeah. last year. There are three agencies, big agencies, and one thought he had they had it, didn't have it. Um, and there was some big, some big commercial issues actually in it that um, they threw in the last minute. The client wasn't happy with, but the client, the agency, never wanted to talk to me about it. You're like, well, the only way you're going to learn is by having that conversation and, yeah. and saying, right, well, we thought we did it because of this, but I, you know, my interpretation was X. So, and you know, I still think about that today, and that's 18 months ago. I thought, well, and now would I put that agency on a pitch list? I probably wouldn't because wow. of the way they handled it. You know, sort of like spoil, like throwing the pram toys out of a pram almost yeah what are they going to be like to work with yeah yeah so you got wow that's a really interesting perspective on that so i think that yeah. i mean i think from an agency point of view you're foolish not to take that feedback I agree. but, but it's surprising if you, how if you then do. consider it might impact your ability to get onto a pitch list in future you might be even yeah. more inclined to do but it's surprising yeah. i'm of agencies that don't you know yeah. i'm always quite surprised yeah um i think also the thing from an agency man from a client point of view is be realistic about what who's on your team I want to use that top creative director. I want to, you know, I want to work that planner. But, yeah. You know, they're exp- one, they're expect- always going to be obviously expensive, but two, they are working across multiple clients. So I think, you know, be realistic about who you want to deal with and the value of your account with the agency. And that's why it's important to get the right agency in the first place. So, <laughs> you know, be realistic yeah. about the input of the, you know, the founders, you know, th- those senior people. But, ha- you know, and if you want it, you pay for the time. Yeah, there's something there I think you said that's really really relevant is uh, be realistic around where you fit within that client roster, I suppose. You don't want to be the smallest client on an agency's roster. So if you're a medium-sized brand and they're looking after all bigger brands, A, they're going to be expensive, but B, you're not going to be their priority, unfortunately. Yeah, you just yeah, I think realistic, exactly. Yeah. Just there, Andy. That's great, realistic. Yeah, like and then my last point would be is be self-aware of your own processes. Okay. So you know, clients go in, yeah, here's my scope of work, it's fine, and then the agency's like, well, they didn't give me consolidated feedback. Oh, Europe was added in. Oh, then they threw me this extra bit of work. Oh, sign-off was a nightmare. It took three months, and they didn't honestly. And that's why I said the fourth stage in a pitch process is post-pitch. Yeah. Because if you've got those quarterly reviews that are covering the scope of work, the team, you know, fees and ways of working. So it, and that's often why pitches get called. Ways of working are broken down. You know, where's mm. the stage? Where's the sign-off phase? POs are taking too long. We, you know, we're bankrolling you, you know, if you've got third-party costs. So I think um, a lot of, clients fall down on ways of working um and their own ways of working so they they should get their own house in order gosh first or you know and i've seen it you know we know what it's like don't we agencies over invest in the first year and i had one recently the fee was agreed um you know and actually the agency spent half over service to 50 percent of the fee say the fee was a million pounds the agency over-serviced because the clients were working by half a million pounds. The yeah. client also then reduced the scope and the fee was half a million. So really net-net, the agency didn't earn any money. 
didn't make any money. Yeah, and if they're not making any money, then they're not going to do a good job for exactly. you. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You've got to be realistic about it. So for me, that is quite a big one that often gets not looked at. Uh, the client's ways of working. So, yeah. I mean, it's mainly feedback and sign off. And also POs. I mean, it's just a, such a basic thing is 30 days payment terms. I mean, there was a thing end of last year, um, Dr. Peppers, after a PR agency in the States, 360 days payment terms. It's like... Really? Yeah. That's outrageous. Yeah. And for PR, which it's not going to be a huge budget. I mean, in the States, it would be fairly big. But I just think if I was buying a Dr. Peppers in, you know... Target, I don't know what's an American, you know, convenience store. Target will do, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'll be like, I'll pay you in a, in a year's time then, because that's what they're doing for PR agencies. That's that's not going to be the case. It was outrageous, yeah, absolutely outrageous. And that's climb, you know, that's that, 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 that just shouldn't happen, really. Absolutely. I mean, three hundred sixty-day payment terms is is a is a. Unbelievable. It's it really is. So I think that that's my last point on the potholes: is get your own house in order. Um, yeah, I, I agree so much. If if you want this to be a long term relationship with your agency, and you, if you're investing in this pitch process, you obviously do want that to be something that sticks around for a while. Then getting your house in order is really important. Yeah, and, and I've been on that agency side many times where you get given the green light, then the PO doesn't come. And you're yeah. thinking, oh, shall I start on this? Yeah. No PO, like, but don't, got... start, don't start until you've got the PO. And you... yeah, I know, I know it's easy I know. to say that. <laughs> I've got recently, I was with a client, you know, abroad actually last week. Um, but they won't raise the PO until I've travelled and I know what the costs are, you know, tube, blah, blah, blah. So I've done the work, been been in this, con- you know, was, was abroad for a couple of days. Yeah. Done the work, but I still, I'm still waiting for the PO, you know, even though I've had to pay for my flight and everything. So, yeah, so I know what it's like. So, yeah, get your own house in order. <laughs> We've all been there uh, on on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. Tina, thank you very much. There's so much of value in there. Um, I did want to ask you briefly before we sign off is two things, really. Where's a good place if you were to look to for, or where do you go for inspiration, ideas, advice around procurement? So what kind of books do you read, I suppose, or podcasts do you listen to? Um, That's the first question. The second one is, there are bound to be people that think they want your expertise to help. So how should people contact you if they listen to this? Grand, yeah. Well, the easy yeah. answer to the second one is, you know, just go to my website, which is Tina Fijant, my name. So even though Fijant sounds French, I've got 13% in my Moco level. So uh, Tina Fijant. So, um, <laughs> it needs an accent on one of the E's or something. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, just go to um, Yeah. and just drop us a line. So thank you for that via LinkedIn. Um, where do I go for inspiration? Um to be honest, I don't read many procurement. There's no, there's no procurement. There is one good. There's two good procurement books. One is called Magic and Logic. So okay. if you type in Magic and Logic, and it was the first time I put it on my LinkedIn post last last week. Actually, I said it's an oldie but a goodie. It's the first time that SIPs, our purchasing body, worked together with the IPA, the trade body for top agencies, and ISBAR, the you know the advertisers trade body. Yeah. It's got to be 18 years old now. They commissioned Marilyn Baxter, who was ex-COI at the time, and Hall and Partners to do a study of the three part, you know, the three parties working together. So I'd recommend anybody start to look at you can if you put magic and logic actually, I found it on the IPA website and it was a PDF. Um, Perfect. And I put it on LinkedIn last Friday and I got loads of comments of people like, oh I was involved in that. It was a great thing. And and to be honest, it's still fairly up to date. Um, so I would tell, recommend anybody to have a look at Magic and Logic. Uh, there's always the book that I wish I'd written by a guy called Jerry with a G, Priest, P-R-E-E-C-E. Okay. I get what the book's called. He's XP&G. It's an American book. Um, just go on Amazon. 
it's five pound one oh, last week. Yeah, and it was really good, and it's a book I've always w- wished that I'd written. And he talks on marketing procurement point of view, and basically how we should be, be called as marketing investment managers. Um, so that's the two. And also, Michael Farmer did a book. I was looking at on my uh, called Madison Avenue Manslaughter. So that's the other book I would recommend. Uh, Madison Avenue Manslaughter. Manslaughter. Okay. Yeah, uh, by Michael Farmer. Again, written from the states, and he's got a really interesting perspective. And actually, gives you the history of advertising. How once there were just the commission rate, because obviously advertising media were one, and it was post-war, and it was the invent of like big TV advertising, like the Jolly Green Giant. And the agencies were at the table with the CEOs and basically what's happened since. So that's the three books. I said two, but there's, that's the three books I would recommend. Um, and then I just access the trade press, you know, so I, you know, obviously get the trade press um, every week. And I've also started doing on LinkedIn for those that follow me, Tina Tells on a Friday. Tina um, Tells. Oh, I hadn't tells. spotted that. I'll have to make yeah, sure I'm yeah. following it. It's actually a client yeah. asked me to do it. Um, and <laughs> I do it every Friday for them face to face, which is five things I've seen in the week. Um, and so I agreed with them that I will post that sort of two weeks after I've shared it with them. So I'm on week six with them this week. So tomorrow I'll be posting week four. And it's four or five articles um, that I've seen. Um, you know, things like the IPA bellwether about budgets, for example, the AA conference, uh, ISBA's measurement. Um, and we also, I also do ad of the week. So um, my ad of the week as well. So, yes, yeah, t- hashtag with Tina Tells. Tina Tells, hashtag yeah. Tina Tells. Yeah, okay. and that gives you insight every week to what a marketing procurement person's finding of interest. So, yeah, just you find that on my LinkedIn post every Friday. I'll look it up and I'll probably, oh no, I'll, probably, I'll definitely find it of interest. Yeah, no, brilliant. <laughs> really good to talk to you, Andy. Thanks. Yeah, Tina, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Yeah. And uh, yeah, hopefully catch up with you in face-to-face at some point because we've only That'd met online, haven't we? That'd be great. Thanks, Andy. See, look forward cheers, to Tina. It. Bye-bye. Thanks. Take care. Bye.